Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bye As right part now. of yeah. our exclusive in-depth coverage of the NFL, your home for the 12th man proudly presents former Seahawks head coach and Super Bowl champion, Mike Holmgren. Brought to you by Toyota of Kirkland and by CenturyLink Fiber on Seattle's Sports Leader, Sports Radio 93.3, KJR-FM. And Mike Holmgren joins us. This is his first of uh, of many weekly visits, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock during the football season. And uh, thrilled to have Mike back with us again this year as part of the radio station, as part of this particular show, just a fabric of 93.3 KJR-FM. Mr. Holmgren, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, buddy. How's it going? How's your summer? It's not well. It's it's good. It's good. It's over now. It's I'm watching football practice again today, so it's good. All good, man. All good. All good. All good. Do you miss it? Do you miss being out here in the dog days of summer? Uh, I miss certain things. I think I've told you that before. I miss practice. I miss yeah. the players. I miss the coaches, but the other stuff, uh, the paper plates and. The long hours and stuff. No, I don't miss that at all. I don't think they have paper plates anymore. I think things have changed. When you guys built this building out here on the shores of Lake Washington, I think that changed, Mike. I don't think there are paper plates anymore. <laughs> no, you know what? When I would go in there on occasion, when I have an occasion to go in there, it is quite different. It is really something. And it's beautiful, and they take care of the players very well. Hey, I want to go back. I've mentioned this about this building a couple times. And, and you know, I, I'm – old and I don't always remember things but I do remember being here and I believe it was 2007 the, the like a late fall of 2007 and we were standing right next to the lake in some mud and there were some like cones and some things around and Todd Lightwicky was there you were here I think Paul Allen was here and they said we're going to build a brand new football facility here on the Lake Washington and here we are all these years later and it still is just a is, I mean every player I talk to especially guys that come, Mike, from other places, go, wow, we're on the lake, a little breeze blowing. It's, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better setting. The facility itself is spectacular. What went into building this place? Well, I tell you, when it, Paul Allen obviously had a lot to do with it because the land, if you remember, they, they used, the land that was built on was uh, they used to create the, the poles, you know, that the hung the wires and stuff. Oh, and so okay. the land was kind of... The, the land was kind of condemned a little bit. So he had to go through a whole big thing of clearing out all the dirt and getting it right for for the facility. So that was the first thing that people don't know too much about. But then all of a sudden on the lake, we walked through there, and, uh, you know, it was just a, just a, a beautiful thing uh, that we worked very hard. You know, we went from uh, you marry a very small place, you know, in, uh, uh, where Northwest College is now, and to uh, something very, very special. So uh, it was a lot of a lot of hard work, but uh, I give the credit to Mr. Allen. He he kind of set that whole thing. Well, up. I bring that up because Mike, I just think sometimes we forget. And, and listen, there's on, on this show we were talking yesterday about uh, the Angelos family in Baltimore and some of the stupid stuff they're doing back there, and kind of getting you know cheap and chintzy and things like that. And there's there's always you know talk of owners around you know all sports, not just baseball, but all sports. You know that that you kind of have issues with. 
I, I'll let you speak on this. I just I I look at this facility. I look at Lumen Field. I look at how the popularity of the Seattle Seahawks and what they mean to our city. And and I just think back. I'm not sure if you could have had a better owner than Paul Allen, a more committed guy. Because like what you just said, like a lot of guys wouldn't jump through hoops to get some you know a land that's condemned you know and figure that stuff out. Much less spending the money and the facility cost you know a ton of money. I mean, he was really remarkable. Yeah, I know, and he said it beautifully. He. It was really kind of funny, though. Interesting. You're, you're right. He he was the best. I, I had no owner in Green Bay, so that may have been the best. <laughs> no owner. <laughs> but, but so I come to Seattle, and then the owner's Paul Allen, and yeah. he, he was such a gentleman, and, and uh, he was very, very good to me. But it was funny. We'd have meetings. I'd have meetings, and we talk mm-hmm. about the salary cap and how to how to pay for this and how to do this and this. Invariably. He would start the meeting with, "Okay, how much are you going to cost me this year?" <laughs> you know, he just say that, and then uh, that made people nervous. That made yeah. people. It was funny the reaction of people. But I'm going down deep. He started every meeting that way, and every every after every meeting, we got exactly what we wanted. Wow. So this is you, just how he does stuff. That was his kind of, I think, some humor in it. To you be just honest, had to, but you just had to sell him on it, right? He was the kind of guy that if you could sell yeah. him on it, like if you were if you were strong in your convictions, you got what you needed. That's right. That's exactly right. And he was he was very generous. And I think you made a good point earlier. I'm, I've been reading some stuff about the owners, which I had the privilege of being in with the owners, and some very interesting things when I was in Cleveland. Uh, in the privilege session, I was the only non-owner in there because my owner didn't want to go to the meetings, so I went. And so I heard things, saw things, uh, got to know. I know a lot of the owners. I really got to know them in my career. And I, I can honestly say this, Paul, in, in my dealings with him, it's just that what do you need? How can I help you be better? And so I don't think, I don't think every owner looks at that exactly the same way. In fact, no. I know they don't. No, they don't. That's why I just think it's, it, we need to bring it up every now and then that we, as sports fans of Seattle, need to be thankful for him. Uh, Mike Holmgren joining us here on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. I always like to get your thoughts and, and, and let you you know tell the, the fans where we are. And this is a little different from when you were coaching because in 2021, they moved from a, a 16 to a 17-game schedule, eliminated one of the preseason games, so now we're at three. Back in 2017, they also changed things up a little bit. They went from the cut down to 75 to just one cut down to 53, which will happen next Tuesday. The new calendar, do you, would you have liked this as a coach to have 90 all the way through in just three preseason games? Uh, that wouldn't have bothered me too much uh, because we, we fought long and hard about uh, on the competition committee now when I was on the committee. We, we fought like crazy to get – from a coach's perspective, more guys on the roster, have more guys eligible to play on Sunday, have more guys on the roster, and eventually it got to where it is right now. They still don't have the game day thing settled, I don't think, the way it should be, unlike like the three quarterbacks in San Francisco last year in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, they, I think they made progress there. As far as the preseason games, I think that was – driven by the fact that in the fourth preseason game when I was coaching, you didn't you really rested everybody. You you got your work done, saw what you needed in the first three, and then you played your young players and the guys in the fourth game. But having said that, there were instances where 
you know, you'd have before that game, you'd have to cut down in the meeting. Okay, this guy's going. We're probably gonna, not going to keep him, but but he'd play in that fourth game. Yep. And but then he, he'd show up. I mean, he'd have a great game. So you have to go back in the meeting. Go <laughs> not so fast. This young man, we got to have him. And so you change that again. But you know, I think it's really different now, Ian, because a lot of guys don't play their quarterbacks. They don't play them no, until the until the season starts. And I always thought. They needed to play, not the full game and all that kind of stuff, but they need to get their, their feet wet a little bit, get banged around a little bit. Hopefully they don't, you don't want them to get hurt or anything mm-hmm. like that. But uh, I always thought that was important. But it's a different, it's a different animal right now. Yeah, I know. I, I, you know, Gino played last week. I uh, got a couple series in and, and got some time in there, and, and then they got him out of there. And I, I, thought, I thought that was good in the sense that, you know, I'm sure Gino pushed for that. I'm sure as a quarterback you want to get out there. Give me some live reps, you know. Like, give me, give me some, you know, give me a chance to go out there and not just throw against air or what have you. And so he went out there, he got some reps in, and then they brought Drew Locke in, and then Locke got rolled up on, and they got him out of there in a second. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. we're done. So I would ask you this: They got one game left. It's three game. If Mike Holmgren's coaching in 2023, any team around the league, you're, you're Mike Holmgren's a head coach 2023, and you are at the point where you know these teams are all around the league. You've got one preseason game left. You've probably made up your roster minds pretty well. How would you approach preseason, the final preseason game, game number three? Would you treat it like the old game number four in the old preseason? Well, I don't think so. I, I think I might try to, try to uh, look at it a little bit like game number three before. Because mm-hmm. game number three, I always wanted the players to come out after the first half and play the second, you know, come right. out of the gate. Yep. And and go into get that feeling about coming into the second half. Mike, what was the importance of, of that? What was the importance of that? Because Pete's talked about that. You've talked about that. What was it? Because they don't really do that as much anymore. But what was the what was the thought process behind doing that? Well, I, th- I think you know one is just how you handle halftime. What do you what, what do you do as a player? You go in there, you do something, knowing you have to come back out and sl- and strap it on again and get going. Mm-hmm. That mental, not only the physical part of it, but the mental part of it, I thought it was important. Just, you, so you don't just take off your pads and, and put on a, a hat at halftime. you got to come out because next week or in two weeks, you're going to have to not only do that, you're going to have to play the whole game. You're going to have to play the whole time. And so I thought, I thought it was important, and, and they don't do that anymore. But now, And then they, we only had a week. You know, you finished the last game and you had a week before you start playing, now they have two weeks. And so I guess the thought there is we have two more weeks to kind of get them going, but you don't hit in practice like we used to. No. No. Not even close. No. Yeah, Uh and and so it's just the the hitting part of it and the getting ready physically, I think – it's different now, and but coaches they, they are handling it. And I think they're 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 really afraid of guys getting hurt. Look at the young receiver we have. Yeah, uh, I think I read about he got he got his wrist something happened. He just and on so, his on a fall, it, like just bracing himself on the long catching in the preseason game, like just a freak yeah, injury. And, yeah, yeah, and and I just talked about it uh, on Monday how important he was and how excited I was to see him. Mm-hmm. And now it, it looks as though he might not play in the first ball game, but we don't know for sure. But but. You, you you just lose sleep over stuff like that, but I still think in their preparation it was important at the at the time. Hugh Millen's talked about it a few times before about the importance of being a little bit more physical in training camp and practices leading up to the season, just to get your body ready. And I find that listen, 
I don't think anybody knows the perfect way, and these guys are doing science, weird science like you know, like never before. They all have their little GPS things. They take off their shoulder pads when they come in so they can track all their <laughs> – I, I know you'd get a kick out of that. Oh, gee, that's a good one. <laughs> they do. They got a little GPS thing, and they take it I know, off. And we're I know. Doing it. And um, it was a little bell go off, a little bell goes off when they – yeah, yeah. They, they ran too many steps or something. I don't know what it is, but uh, everyone's got an Apple Watch on. But, yeah, they do this, and, and I, I find this part of it interesting. As much as they're treating these guys with kid gloves, and it's at all levels, Mike. It's a high school level. They do it now, too. Uh, my sure. son, my son's playing college, and, his, I mean, they, they, when they say full pads, all they mean is shoulder pads, and no one goes to the ground. It's, it's, you know, that's all it is. The Seahawks have six of their ten draft picks out with an injury right now. Like six of, six of their ten draft picks are out with an injury, so I don't even know if it does any good to to do this, you know, bubble wrap type of practice anymore. Well, you know that that was that's something I've thought about. It seems to me, I don't know the exact numbers, but it seems to me like the injury thing uh, is is not any better no. than it was than it was a few years ago. That's one of the things. If I ever get over to the South facility again, I talked to Sam Ramson about it. It was director of medicine then. He was a trainer. For, he was my head trainer, but he he he'll know that. He'll know the numbers. Yeah. But it seems like guys get hurt, you know. And to your point, the rookie class, um, the corner now, the wide receiver. There's different yeah. other guys. Yeah, they both they've been hurt without getting without oh. getting banged around a lot. No, like well, I mean, Macintosh, the running back, got hurt when he got kind of drugged down from behind in a in a um, in the mock game. But you know, Miller and or not Miller, Morris and uh, and Young, the two defensive linemen, they've both been out for some time now, and they need those guys this year. And you know, Witherspoon, he's been hurt the entire training camp. It feels like hell. He was hurt in the spring. Um, yeah, you know, which is which is rough. We'll see. Uh, Mike Holmgren joining us. I do want to get your thoughts on what's going on in San Francisco. It is a really strange circumstance. They move up to draft Trey Lance a couple, three years ago. Uh, ends up costing them basically it's three first-round picks and, you know, that one and two others. And then to go all the way and get him the top five. And now he's your number three quarterback. Uh, listen, it's one thing if Brock Purdy beats him out, but then Sam Darnold beats him out for number two. You've got this sunken cost in this high draft pick. Uh, it's amazing because, you know, despite all that, they're still a really good football team, although I just talked to my buddy John Lund from KNBR a moment ago and said, hey, this is the year they better do it because, the you know, next year the, the salary cap is going to be a nightmare for them. Um, yeah. But what's your read on the, the Trey Lance situation down there in the sense of, and I guess they're going to keep three on the 53, man, which a lot of teams don't even do anymore, but they're kind of forced to. Yeah, they are forced to, and I don't. I don't think that's a bad deal. I think. I think. No, I know you that. like that. Yeah, I know you like yeah, that for sure. Yeah, I've always liked that. But, but the thing is, they when they made the trade, it was a huge trade. It was mm-hmm. a huge trade, and so, and I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know this for sure, but I'm not sure that he's been given the chance to really show what he can do. He got hurt. Yep. And then you know, they uh, they made this decision picking up Darnold tells me told me that they were not sh- they they needed someone like Darnold who was who's played and who's pretty good with yeah. the right coaches and stuff that they needed him now why did they do that they they did it because they're not sure or they were never quite sure about this young man and it's it's if it if it doesn't work if they have to trade him or if they have to do something that'll go down as one of the the worst trades uh, imaginable it, well, you can't make a mistake with that position that high, right? Like that's the problem. No. I think you can't. I mean, you can't. Yeah, you can't, it, and then because that guy can't yeah, do anything you, else it, for you. 
Yeah, if you're going to trade, if you're going to trade number ones like they did, would you say three number ones? Yeah, yeah, well, two to get the one up high. Yeah, so yeah, was, two to yeah. get the one. Yeah, uh, th- then you have to be really sure, and then you have to really stick with that young man and make it work. I always felt, and I've told you this before, that if I felt that way about a player and he comes in, I'm going to make it work. It's right. going to work. I, he's going to reach his potential, and that's that's my own ego floating in there but you know i like coaching quarterbacks and if i if i if we put that into the the trade then i was going to make it work well i think the the thing that i find interesting is and you know i mean we got a great example here i mean you you developed and brought Favre in into green bay but you also saw a guy in his backup in matt you know as that was probably what his second backup he he had uh, brunel there before but but you had guys you know like it, it took a while i'm i'm curious we always talk about how long it takes a quarterback to develop i'm gonna throw something different at you like, so so maybe Trey Lance needs to develop. Maybe, you know, and like you said, he needs to be coached up. He needs to get reps. He needs all those things to happen. Brock Purdy came in. He was a flash in the pan, did a great job, you know, when he was playing for those guys at the end of last season. And they went on a little bit of a run with him, and he was undefeated. He ran up that undefeated streak and all those things. Well, there was a hell of a football team around him. Uh, and I'm not degrading, you know, I don't, I don't want to hammer the kid. But would there be any part of you that would say, hey, we're still not really sure if Brock Purdy's a 17-game starter? Like, he might be looking great in training camp, and he looked good at the end of last season, but do we know he's a 17-game starter in the NFL? Well, to your point, and I think it's a good one, uh, Brock Purdy, listen, first of all, we give him his credit. I mean, he was he was yeah. really good yeah. when he came in. But the offense and the people around him, they are a very talented football team. So you're telling that young quarterback who was, you know, uh, it's surprised that he had to play, but he, now he's playing. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Just just don't try and do more than you have to. Just be smart. Just read the things. Throw here. Throw here. You know, and play. They played the game that way and let some of the other superstars kind of run with it, and and that worked. Now, if they all of a sudden they go into salary cap or it's, it changes in the next couple years and they lose some of those guys or whatever whatever happens. I'm not sure either, Ian. I, I think you have a good point. I'm not sure either, because he he is while he has strengths, obviously he's smart, and he does he plays the position well. You know, his arm is not like the arms no. we've seen from guys that have played the position for a long time. It isn't. I mean, you know, he's he's a he's a good guy, but it's it is it's not the same. And you can I it, I think sometimes you need to be in person to say it's interesting as you're talking about the arm. I'm watching. You know, Gino and, and the quarterbacks are about 40, 50 yards from where I'm sitting right now, and they're just doing a couple little, it's like just some one-on-one uh, battles with the wide receivers versus a cornerback. And the difference in terms of how the ball looks coming off the, the hand and yeah. the arm of Gino yeah. Smith compared to Holton Aylers, their third-string guy, like Gino yeah. throws a really nice ball. Like it just, he it, does. I'm, I'm watching him step up right now. Just an effortless dime that he just throws to, to Cade Johnson, just as I say that, like in the corner of the end zone. Just like a flick of the wrist. And then Ehlers, if he throws that same pass, he's coming up next, it's going to look like it takes something to get there. Like elite yeah. arm strength and talent, it's, that's something. Not every, not every quarterback in the NFL has that, um, you know, for sure. So. No, no. And, then you you know, when you go out and you're looking at quarterbacks, and I had the privilege with the, with the 49ers, I traveled all over the country looking at all quarterbacks that could, they could possibly draft. Yeah. And so I, I saw a lot of guys, and you write up the reports, and then Bill Walsh had me read the report to the rest of the staff. Mm. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out my way, and he, but I, I couldn't make mistakes. Yeah. And 
uh, you know, one of the things is throwing. Can he throw the ball? Let's let's forget about footwork, speed. Forget about does he throw balls and complete it? And does he have a good arm? Then you you need more than that, but that's where you start. Yeah. And so, no, to your point, I, I think uh, he's surrounded. Brock Purdy is is fortunate. He's surrounded. He's good, but he's fortunate. He's surrounded by really good players. Good offensive line. Some guy named McCaffrey. Some guy named Debo. They're pretty good. Yeah. Um, no, Mike. I, I I'll say this now, and I'll say it every week. I just I I treasure these uh, these these times, these segments with you every week. Love having you on. It's always a ton of fun to have a chance to have a conversation with you. So thank you. We're looking forward to a great football season with you again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, sir. Thanks, buddy. I'm back at you. It's good. I'm back in it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus